0: says in 1 Samuel 4 and in verse number 10 and the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent and there was a very great slaughter for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen chapter 7 verse 11 sounds like a convenience store doesn't it? Seven eleven. well look what the Bible says And the men of Israel, chapter 7, verse 11, went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you tonight for letting me be back in the house of the Lord. It's so refreshing to sit there on that front pew and listen to these Fine young men singing these great songs. My heart has been blessed. I could go home now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And then our dear sister and friend, Sheila, who just blessed our hearts tonight as well. Lord, it's just good to be here. And Father, You have met with us every service. Tonight, Lord, we have no intention of throwing it up in neutral and coasting across the finish line. Help us tonight to be full throttle ahead because I know without you, Lord, we can do nothing. Help us here a little while tonight. Bless all the churches that have come. Lord, let revival fires go back and burn bright in these other locations. And all that's accomplished, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, I believe we have determined without any debate that First Samuel chapter 4 is a chapter of defeat. God's people are whipped. 34,000 are dead. The priest boys are dead. The priest himself is dead. The priest's daughter-in-law giving birth to Ichabod dies during childbirth. And I read you only one verse in chapter 4 that says the whole story. Israel was smitten. They were whipped. They were running from the enemy. And I'm sad to say that's what I'm seeing in so many places tonight god's people are whipped god's people are defeated and god's people are running from the enemy but i got good news it don't have to stay that way because in chapter 7 and verse number 11 we found that now god's people are chasing the enemy How in the world can you be that defeated and running from the enemy and it totally turn around and now you are chasing the enemy yourself? I hope God has spoke to our hearts these days because we need to remember man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. There's going to be battles There's going to be problems. There's going to be heartaches. Some of you sitting in this room tonight are going through the most difficult times of your whole life and you really don't know what to do. But I'm here to say tonight, let's stop running from the enemy. Let's turn this thing around and let's be in pursuit of the enemy. If you hadn't been here, I'm preaching these days on putting the enemy on the run. If they could be that defeated, I'm talking about 34,000 dead. If they could be that defeated, and then brother Daniel, the next thing you know, they're chasing the enemy. You're going to have to admit something big has happened. Something major has happened. I want to see that happen here in this church. I want to see that happen in the other churches represented here here tonight. We serve a God that can do something big. I'm telling you I serve a big God. And friends it does not take big things for God to do big things. All oh, it takes is some people like our quartet all for Him. If we want to see something done for God we've got to be all for Him and not for everything else. In our message, if you remember verse 2, the people lamenting. If you remember verse 3 and 4, the preacher preaching. They had to put away those strange gods. They had to put away Balaam. They had to put away Ashtaroth. And friends, tonight we've got to put aside and put away every strange god that's got between us and the Lord. And did you know it don't have to be something evil? It don't have to be something wicked it don't have to be something forbidden, but it just could be anything that gets between you and the Lord. Did you know good things can become bad things when they get between you and the Lord? If we're going to put the enemy on the run, folks, we have got to put strange gods away. We've got to put Jesus first. He must be supreme. He must be king with a capital K, and may God help us to do that tonight. We found last night there was a place appointed. I heard some of you cried out as I was reading Mizpah, which was the watchtower, it was the house of God. And friend, we've got to get back to the house of God being the hub and the center of our lives. A lot of folks have got a church in their life, but it's not the hub. It's not the center. The church is like a spoke in the wheel to some people and the church revolves around the hub which is what they want to do. But you'll do well tonight to quit letting the church be a spoke in the wheel and let the church be the hub, the center, and everything else revolve around the church. I'm trying to move on tonight, but now we'll begin this last two parts, if the Lord will be my helper. I'm going to try to preach two sermons in one. Look in verse 7 and in verse number 8. How are we going to put the enemy on the run? Chapter 7, verse 7. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered to Mizpah, The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Now let me say something to you tonight. The devil knows you're here. The devil's crowd knows that you're here tonight. The Bible said, the Philistines, Brother Eddie, they knew they went to Mizpah. And God's people are in the right place. And the enemy knows it. The enemy does not want you here. The enemy wants you off somewhere else on a Friday night. But you better praise God that you're in Mizpah tonight. You're in the watchtower. You're in the house of God. You're in the place of benefit. The place of blessing, the place of hope, the place of healing, aren't you glad to be at the house of God but I want you to look at verse 8 and the children of Israel said to Samuel cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us that he will save us out of the out of the hand of the Philistines we've saw people lamenting the preacher preaching we saw last night a place appointed but tonight if we're going to get the enemy turned around brother sam we're going to have to see there were prayers requested and i'm telling you friends if we have forsaken one of our greatest tools, one of our greatest weapons, it is this avenue of prayer. You know, we pray little prayers over the meal and maybe pray little prayers with our children but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting a hold of God Almighty, not coming up off that altar until you know you've touched heaven. We serve a God tonight that hears and answers prayers. Do you know how bad off we've got unanswered prayers? unanswered prayers have become the norm. That's the norm. And then answered prayers have become abnormal. I say we got that backwards. It ought to be a normal thing for God's people to get their prayers answered. I hate to say this, I don't want to discourage nothing, but one of the deadest things in our churches is that old dusty prayer list where nothing ever happens and nothing ever changes and there's no passion and there's no emotion and there's no expectation you know the only way you get off the prayer list in some churches you're just going to have to die Amen. Well, I say, I don't want to be on that prayer list that the only way you get off is to die. I know there's a God in heaven that's real. I know there's a God in heaven that hears the prayers of his people. I mentioned last night Jeremiah 33 3, where God said, Call unto me. That's what God said. It's not your mother in law that you need to call. It's not the governor you need to call. We need to call upon God. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Some of you need some great things to happen. Some of you need some things to happen that are beyond comprehension. But I'm here to tell you God can do more than we can ask and God can do more than we can think. When I was a boy, growing up in church, it was not unusual for some people in the church to wear the title, Prayer Warrior. You see, that's just about gone. We don't have many people really laboring and really, I mean at it, faithfully, Seek in the face of God. Friends, how many times has somebody come to you and asked you to pray and you said, okay, I'll pray, but then that be the end of it. Now friend, if that's not a lie, I don't know what it is. I believe that we ought to be praying one for another. I want to show you something while we're in 1 Samuel. Chapter 12, I was reading it at the house today. I want to show you something. You're right there close to it. Look in chapter 12 and verse number 23. I want to show you how serious it is. Now I showed you last night how serious it is to miss church. I'm not talking about sick folks or hospitalized folks. I'm talking about folks that have found other things to do and other places to be when the house of God's open. I showed you last night how serious an indictment that is. But did you know that when we don't pray for each other, look at what Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12 and in verse number 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you But I will teach you the good and the right way. Can I say something to the folks here on Miller Chapel Road that attend this church? Did you know it's a sin when you don't pray for each other? Some people think the only sins there are is liquor drinking and gambling and drugs and fornication and adultery. But Samuel said it's a sin for me if I cease to pray for you. We need each other. The Bible says we're to pray one for another. We're to pray with all supplication before God Almighty, for the saints of God. And this is not a measure. Mega church here, and you other churches are not mega churches. Uh, we all, if we would take time, could pray for each other. We have the time and we have the opportunity, but shame on us when we don't pray for one another. Amen. Amen. It's a sin. It's not a suggestion for you to pray. It's a commandment for you to pray. And we should pray looking for results. Some folks in this room tonight, you're carrying a heavy burden. And I got some news for you. There's a remedy for that. 1 Peter 5, 7, Jake, the Bible says, casting all your care upon Him. Oh, I'm telling you, that's where you need to put your burdens at. Amen. That's where you need to put your cares on. Upon Him. Why? Because He careth for you. Oh, aren't you glad in the midst of your despair when the load's getting so heavy you can't hardly bear it? Aren't you glad He cares? Aren't you glad He tells us to get those cares off of us and get our cares upon Him? That word casting we probably got some fishermen here. I, I love to fish too over at Mayflower, but but some of y'all fish a funny way of fishing with a line and a hook and a worm. I'd much rather go where it's fixed. Say amen, Doctor Vaughn. You know that's right. But that casting, no great fisherman is successif- is successful if all they ever do is cast. One time. The successful fisherman keeps on casting. He keeps on casting. I said he keeps on casting. If God don't let you reel in the answer the first time, just keep on casting. Just keep on casting. I'm about to get out in the yard again if I'm not careful. I'm here to tell you tonight that we as God's people, we've got a prayer hearing, a prayer answering God. Do you need something? Amen. Hey man, do you need a well, Brother Eddie? Do you need a sign? Do you need property? What do you need? Oh, I'm here to tell you, if God didn't do it when you ask, just wind it in and cast it again. Just wind it in whoop, and cast it again. Casting all your care upon. Do you remember in school when we learned what a compound word was? A compound word is this. It's two words put together that now become one word. That word upon in First Peter 5, 7 is a compound word. If you'll break it, you'll see a greater blessing casting all your care up on. Up... <laughs> Own that is a pun. It's a compound word. It speaks of weight distribution. What about that? Have you ever pulled a trailer? Some of you country guys and farmers and hay bellers, you know what it's like uh, to pull a trailer. If you're pulling a trailer, anybody knows if they've had any dealings with pulling a trailer. Weight distribution is very important. If you've got a heavy load, you don't put that heavy load on the back. You put the heavy load on the front. If you put the heavy load on the back, that thing will start wobbling with you. And it's liable to get out of control. That's why some of you is out of control now. You've got the weight on the back. You've got the weight on you. It's time to get the weight off us. Let's get the weight up on Him out front. And you'll find God will bless your life. Years ago, there was a young fellow who rode one of our buses to church when I was pastoring. He was a very smart guy mechanically, but he was a real simple guy at the same time. He got hired to work with a mobile home company transporting mobile homes. His job was taking axles off and putting axles on, helping set up. But one day, the driver couldn't come and they asked him, to drive the truck that was hauling the axles and the heavy equipment to set up the mobile home. Well, he's a simple guy, and he didn't know any better. But he put those heavy axles and that heavy load on the back of that trailer. He's going down the road. Everything's going okay. He starts getting up some speed. He feels a little wobble. But he don't understand why. He got a little faster and the thing started wobbling and it got out of his control. The trailer took over. Could I say the load took over. And he got crossed up in the highway and he hit an elderly man and his wife head on and killed both them. The older man and his precious wife And here's this young man. Really, he shouldn't have been driving this. But they needed a fill in that day. And the weight distribution was wrong. And some people lost their lives on account of it. You might not think what I'm preaching is important. But if you don't get this load off of you and get that load up front where it's supposed to be, there's going to be disaster there's going to be tragedy. I say tonight it's time God's people got the load up off us and get the load upon Him because He can carry the load. Woo! Glory to His name. My, my, I'm having a good time. I don't know about y'all. But some of you have carried that load long enough. It's time to let Jesus have it. It's time to get that load up off of you. And get that load up on Him. Amen and amen. There were prayers we requested. The people said to Samuel, don't cease to cry out for us. Don't cease to pray for us. Friends, how we need one another's prayers. I think about what Jesus said in John 14, 13 and 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask, In my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son and if you shall ask anything in my name I will do it. Oh, when's the last time God did it for you? When's the last time you got a prayer answered? If it's been a long time, friend, there's something wrong with your prayer life. You've entered into vain repetition. You've entered into a prayer life of no passion. A prayer life of no emotion. We've got to get the passion back on the altar. We've got to get the emotion back on the altar. We've got to get faith back on the altar alter How many prayers do you pray not even expecting an answer? Not even looking for God to do something? That's not praying. That's vain repetition. God give us some people when they hit that altar, they're saying, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to keep on casting. I'm going to keep on casting until God brings it to pass. Someone asked, Preacher, is it okay to pray about little things? Sure it is. I prayed, I may have told you, for a little girl who had toe surgery. That seems like a little thing. But it was a big thing to her. And the same day I was praying about somebody having quadruple bypass and a valve repair. That looks big. The toe looks small. But you see, that's from the human viewpoint. When God looks at the toe surgery, yes, it's small. But I got good news for you. When God looks at the quadruple bypass and a valve repair, that's small too. Everything we pray about, it might be big to us, but it's small to God. And thank God tonight there's nothing. I said nothing too hard for the Lord. I'm telling you he's not going out of business. He's still on the throne. And he's still got all power. You want to put the enemy on the run? We gotta get back to prayers requested. Don't be afraid to ask your brother and sister to pray. And brother and sister, when you get asked, you better respond. Am I right? I got hundreds of things I pray about. And and one of the great fears I have about my prayer life is getting to where my praying is just vain repetition. I keep saying that because somebody needs to hear that tonight. You see, I could pray for everybody in this room, call everybody's name, and it wouldn't take no time. Just spit out names, read, and and pastor and Jimmy Vaughn and and I could man, it wouldn't take no time. But see, if we're not careful, those names, those names, we lose hard, and we don't even realize what we're saying. We've got to slow our praying down and get to where when we pray for somebody, we're praying specifically, we're praying individually and god help us tonight. And I don't have all the answers to this, but here's something I do. Sometimes I'll pray in my journal and pray backwards. Pray so I can stimulate my mind so it don't just become pop 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 pop. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes and most of the time when I pray, if I'm praying for Daniel Bray, here's what I do. And I do pray for Daniel Bray. And I pray for Eddie Sizemore. And I pray for Pastor Woods. I pray for a lot of you folks by name and some of the church folk here, the core group. I pray for you if I know your name. But you see if we're not careful those names are kind of like bullets coming out of a machine gun. Pop, 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 pop. And it really don't mean nothing. It really don't mean nothing. It may ease our conscience. It might make us feel like we've done something good and God can hear as fast as you can pray that's not the problem the problem is us can't comprehend it that fast if I'm going to pray for brother Reed I'm going to see his face in my mind before I get done that helps me be moved if I'm going to pray for Jimmy Vaughn I wanna see his face in my mind before I move on. You say that's crazy. Say what you want to, but I'm looking for ways that my prayers move me, brother HC. I've been praying for you, my brother, a long time. I think about them stories about your mama putting you in the little tater box and her singing and praying over you. I tell you what, when I see him, I pray I see his face. I'm telling you there's something we gotta slow this thing down. We got everything faster. This faster microwave and internet world. Everything is so fast. But it takes time to pray. Uh, You can't streamline praying. Uh, You can't pray fast. You got to pray slow if you're going to pray effectively. Amen. So I don't agree with that. Hang on. I'm fixing to load you up if you don't agree with that. Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest. A great high priest which is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not, here it is now, here's the key, for we have not, And high priest, John, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then he says this, one of my life verses, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Can I reverse a little bit in verse 15? Our great high priest, He's not in the grave. He's not in the grave. He's passed into the heavens. Who is He? He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. So let's just hang in there. Let's just fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. Now I'm going to tell you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that seems like somebody, be hard to get them on the phone. But aren't you glad we got a great high priest who can be touched. I've never got a busy signal. I've never been put on hold. Thank God I've never lost connection. Brother Eddie, I've never had a call to drop out. Thank God he can be touched. How do you touch him? How can you be 100% sure that you touched heaven? Well, I'll tell you how you can know if you touched heaven. Do you feel it? And I know there's a lot of negative preaching about feelings, but the Bible said he's touched You want to touch Him? You want to touch Him? He's touched with the feelings. He's touched with my feelings. You know most people could care less about your feelings. You go out in this world and see if that ain't right. But He's touched with my feelings. If I feel afraid and I pray, He's touched. Woo! If I feel like I'm going down for the last time and I call on Him, He's touched. He's not touched by my eloquent speech. He's not touched by my education. He's not touched by my family tree. Hey, He's touched with my feelings. So don't nobody care about how I feel. Wait a minute. If you feel it, tell him he's touched and he can be touched and he can be moved I fear that's about what shut us down we don't pray with any feeling we don't feel nothing we just say words and phrases and names we don't feel nothing Dr. Eddie we have got to get back to this thing of feeling it now if you want to get up and preach a sermon against having any emotion and having any feeling, I, I won't be offended at you, but I'm telling you what the Bible said. I don't base my Christianity on feelings, but sometimes my feelings are not good. And I'm glad when I'm hurting and I'm afraid and I don't know what to do. All i got to do is call out to the great high priest. He's not going out of business. He's still on the throne. And with Him, nothing shall be impossible. Have you got something bigger than you are? Hey, get it on Him. He can handle it. Is your heart hurting tonight? Is your heart broken tonight? Have you got a wayward son or daughter? Best time to pray for him is when you feel it. Have you got a wayward husband, a wayward wife? Best time pray for him. It's when you can feel it. That's what touches Him. That's what we need tonight. We need to touch Him and touch heaven. I've got to give you this. I'm about done. I'm I'm going to try to give you this quickly. And would you look with me in verse number 10 now. There's not only prayers requested, but look in verse 10 again. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Now look at that. I mean, that's the ones that's done whip the tar out of God's people. And now here they are coming again. It looks like another round of slaughter and devastation. But look what happened. The Bible says, but the Lord thundered. The Bible said, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. Prayers requested precedes power on display. The Bible said them Philistines got discomfited because God thundered right on top of them. You ever been where lightning is, I mean, getting ready to strike close? You ever heard that thunder? I'm telling you, man, it just shakes everything. It shakes you from the inside out. When you see thunder in the Bible, it always represents the power of God Almighty. Then Philistines had blood in their eyes until God thundered. I said, God! thundered and discomfited that crowd. He put them in a He put them in confusion. He put them on the run by the power of His thunder. Tonight, we need to get back to praying and hear the thunder, the thunder of God. Did you know, I like, I like to read about Peter and John, James and John the inner circle but you know James and John brothers physical natural brothers you know one of their nicknames they were called the sons of thunder woo boy I like that Boanerges the sons of thunder when James preached it was like Thunder. Woo! When John preached, it was like thunder. You know why? Because of the power of God. Preachers, I'm your friend tonight, but we need thunder from the pulpit. We need power from the pulpit. I'm for studying, dig deep, come up with great truth from the Bible. But we must rely upon the thunder of God, the filling of the Holy Ghost. Most people's are afraid of the doctrine of being filled with the Spirit, but you're looking at a preacher who prays every day for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God. When I hit the. Pit. This may be my only chance. It may be my only opportunity to put a word in somebody's ear. I may never see them again. We may never meet again in this world. We've got to thunder. They've got to sense the power of God. It's not my voice. I don't have a great voice. My voice squeaks and cracks, and the other day I had laryngitis, but my voice is not what's important. It's the voice inside the voice. Preachers, let's get a hold of God. Let's get the voice inside the voice. The voice of God Almighty. And my, how we're in such need of the power and presence of God. I can't hardly preach without saying something about it because we're so absent of it today. We can carry the right Bible in the church. I'm King James, not changing, come too far to look back. No need to meet me after service about it. I've had smarter people than you try to convince me otherwise. I'm not changing. We can have the right Bible. We can have the right doctrine. We can have the right standard. We can have everything as right as right can be from the outward viewpoint, but you could still be dead, graveyard dead, without the power of God. Preachers, don't be satisfied preaching without that thunder in your soul. That thunder's what changes lives. I've told many young preachers, Brother Sam, just like you, I don't think I've ever told you, but when we hit the pulpits, We've got to have something that'll move the people. And the only thing I know that'll move people as stubborn and hard-hearted as people are today, it's that thunder. It's that anointing. It's the power and presence of Almighty God. I love this story. I hope you've been blessed. I hope the next time you read through here you see this all over again. And let us not forget how God can take such a defeat and turn it into victory when the people respond correctly following the pattern that God has in this chapter. Am I right tonight? Some of you is beat down. Some of you is about wiped out and wore out. Some of you, if I do get to come back next January... Hey, some of you won't be here if you don't get some help. If you don't get some help, you won't be here. You've got to quit being chased and start doing the chasing. You've got to quit being running from the enemy and start running after the enemy. And as we stand,